0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It is the middle of June. It's June fifteenth,
1: twenty twenty-two. Midway the point. The of June.
0: Yeah. This is
1: when they killed a lesser-known historical figure.
0: Probably. Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of killings This is when Garfield died.
1: Figures. He was betrayed by the other members of. Well, I was going to say like Congress, but that may have had, I don't know, I'm not a history person. So I think it's funnier if it's like, no, the cartoon Garfield, and he was killed by the other comic book strip characters who were jealous of him. And he's like, eh, to Hagar.
0: I was going to say A to Arbuckle, but yeah, okay.
1: That's a good one, too.
0: (laughs) I'm sure that there's B named comic strip characters we can think of, but I don't know if anyone actually knows who Beetle Bailey is. So, everyone.
1: Uh, I mean, well, I should say everyone. I, 90% of our audience is not from the US. Right.
0: <laughs> is that?
1: All the Germans should be like, Das uh, <laughs> Vidon? That's Russian, but. They're like, Das und Arbuckle? It's like three different languages. Mashed into one.
0: I mean, they stand a better chance of un- of knowing a Garfield character than most other comic strip characters you could name that are US published I guess.
1: Donde es uh family circle? <laughs> oh wait, it's sp- like, spreck- it. it's like uh Sprecken und Kathy? <laughs> oh <yeah.
0: laughs> This is such a weird start <laughs> we would be such a bad can you imagine if weekly manga recap were instead dedicated to recapping like the daily funnies (laughs) (laughs) and then for someone was like and then the dotted line went around the doghouse
1: (laughs) i you know it would blow my mind because there's a podcast just about everything but there there can't be a podcast for people who like are like yeah i just opened the newspaper and talked about all my favorite comic book strips (laughs) like really most of them are comedies and the couple that aren't just air on repeat don't they like the serial ones
0: right i mean peanut still runs in some comic strips and there hasn't yeah. been a new one of those in like, 20 years so yeah
1: come on schultz get it together
0: d okay well uh <laughs> i'm not sure what kind of necronomicon for you your, like your, i
1: don't
0: know what kind of necronomicon you're currently invoking <laughs>
1: Wait, is there something wrong with the creator of Peanuts? Something (laughs) happened? No, nothing's wrong with him. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. It's
0: a very natural thing. (laughs) uh, Guys, uh, we do have a manga that we are talking about that we took it was a recommendation. Uh, It's a series that uh, we started just last week because it is very short. Uh, It's a series called "Go for It," Nakamura or Ganbare Nakamura-kun, which I think might be my worst pronunciation yet. Uh, I liked it. Thank you. (laughs) It's nice to have your support. (laughs) Always. Uh, This is a series that uh, ran in the Boy Love magazine opera, uh, which I don't think we've covered anything from before, but it is a magazine that specifically, like all the stuff in it essentially is like Boy Love series. Uh, And this is no exception. It's a series about this shy, kind of awkward, closeted gay teenager named Okuto Nakamura. And uh, he has a crush on his classmate Hirose. And it is just kind of following him through his life as he tries to get closer to his crush and also deals with some of the Odder kind of characters that are in his class. Mm. Uh, And also, notably, it's a series that's kind of a throwback in terms of how it is stylized. It is, if you look at the artwork, you might think that it is older than it actually is because this is a series that started running in the mid 2010s, but it looks, its style is more reminiscent of like shoujo series from the 80s.
1: It looks a lot. To me, I, I don't know. As I read it, I was like, is this by the Detective Conan guy? And I was like, no. Why would you think that? You're an idiot, Quinn. <laughs> there was a moment.
0: But yeah, I mean, like, that's understandable in, in some respects, like the hairstyles that the guys have, uh, the way that they're drawn. Um, and honestly, it's like it's actually like part of the marketing surrounding the series, too. Like, I if you see some of the promotional stuff that's on certain... Uh, pages they, they'll say like oh this 80s style series it's like all right well i mean sure. i guess there's a market for nostalgic stuff too yeah. but uh in general i mean it's it's a generally mostly innocent uh kind of look into this one character's crush on his on his classmate although dude needs to calm down a couple of times he does some things that are not not cool uh <laughs> but um it's, you know, it's a fun, cute, and a co- occasionally funny little series. It's it's very comforting, generally, most of the time. That's how I would describe it.
1: So Yeah, I, I think it's... I mean, it's only a volume long, uh, as kind of... Has either been brought up right before we'd started the show, and I'm sure we'll, we're just going to mention it now. There is, like, a sequel kind of thing that's out. Um, I don't know if this is intended to be, like, a long-form series. I, I think it's something that kind of started like many a great manga we've read very recently, start off as sort of like, I posted this on Twitter and then got a job off of it. Um, and uh, in that way, uh, it's it's pretty enjoyable and fun. And I would love to see this get something a little bit more like long and substantial to it. Um, but as it is, even as just like a one volume little thing, um, it's really cute and fun. And I like Nakamura. He's a big dork and it's inspiring to see him go from this frustrated sort of unrequited love dope to this character who is allowed to flourish not just in his his identity but also his his personality as well. It's like a major plot point of the series that he loves octopuses, octopi yeah. rather. Um and he's told like, no, don't say that. Ew, that's weird.
0: That's gross. Why do you why you like these gross creatures? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then someone tells him like talk about it more i love seeing you talk about like things you love and i was like this is the most precious moment (laughs) that i have ever read in my life um and really like i just thought was so sweet
0: yeah like uh there's a branching path that happens uh, early on this story for nakamura and uh down one path is the one is what we get out of this, which is that Nakamura slowly but steadily does grow like he he meets, you know, a couple of classmates uh, in addition to just Hirose and comes to get along with them sometimes in very weird ways. But he does, you know, get along with them and he's brought a little bit out of his comfort zone and, you know, progresses as a person and he is able to get closer to Hirose. Uh, it's actually very innocent when they are actually directly interacting with each other because, yeah, Nakamura has a crush on him, and he want and he has a romantic interest in Hirose. But what he really wants is just for them to be friends, and they do become friends, and it's okay. very very sweet to see that develop. The other branch that we don't see is Ah uh, Watamote. Like I can't believe I, it's it's you guys' fault that I'm not popular. Where there's these socially awkward. Uh, student who is very kind of creepy, and then they just get worse and worse, and it's just all cringe humor from there. Uh, and that series is fine for it being that way, but I'm glad that we didn't have that in this case too. <laughs> it was nice to see a more lighthearted and positive spin on the same initial premise start off with.
1: Yes, I agree. Um, I, I, I think that By and large, I don't know if there's a ton to really say about this. It is only a volume long, um, and there's, like, eight characters in the whole thing, and two of them are (laughs) not really relevant characters. Like, there's a character who is sort of, like, the. uh, it's probably one of the funnier jokes. She runs the Occult Club, but she, like, lies. It's like, this is the art club. And he's like, what's this sticker as he signed his name? He just peels it off the
0: sign of form.
1: Um, and like, she's fun, but she's legitimately in one chapter. And I assume since the series is probably going to keep going to some extent, I'm not entirely clear if it's a sequel series or just a continuation of it. Um, but I was like, yeah, I'd love to see more of her. I'd love to see more of these characters. I think that the series only really began to kind of scratch the surface of the kind of fun we could have. And, you know, if that's all I get, awesome, you know, but if there's more, I would be happy to read it.
0: Yeah, for a series that started off the way that it did, which essentially was kind of like you said, the author just kind of like just started sort of doing it as like kind of just like, oh, I drew I drew this character and I kind of liked the way that they looked. Um, And then there was a sudden absence from the magazine that they were just started getting published in. And so the editor came to them and was like, hey, can you fill this extra slot in the magazine, too? Try like drawing that character that you that you were drawing before and make a series out of that. And, they were, and so they're like, oh, OK, and just kind of like went for it. Uh, and this lovely little treasure came out of it, just like, the you know, necessity is the mother of, an, of invention, I guess. And uh, yet the series has for what it started off as uh, what we have gotten out of it. It's like, yeah, I'm very glad that this happened if there had just been the initial series and then nothing else came of it, it's a nice little diversion uh, with uh, cute characters and it's fun. And I have actually read, you know, some of the the sequel series, which is Go For It Again, Nakamura, which is basically just like a direct continuation. Um, And it's basically more of the same. It's just just nice, cute stuff uh, with occasional, you know, very funny bits. I think that Part of the charm of the series is that Nakamura himself is actually pretty funny. Like in terms of just how he behaves, because he's not he is, you know, a closeted, socially awkward, uh, shy kind of weirdo. But like you said, you know, he's got the little eccentricities about him. He's really into octopi. Uh, And uh, also he has this kind of contentious relationship with his younger sister. Um, and he shows, you know, a more sarcastic side to him when he's around her. Uh, and so when he actually is interacting with people, you get to see, you get to see him kind of be more dynamic and energetic. And yeah, it's funny. It's cute. It's wholesome. I like it. Yep. Good times.
1: I have nothing else more to say.
0: Okay. Thank you for the recommendation guys. Yeah, All right. Yeah.
1: All right. Let's, with that out of the way, let's get to talking about manga. And there is no My Hero Academia this week. That's right. So we are going to skip right on over to Undead Unluck number 114, Ichiko Namori. I had a little yes. of that. It was for you. Yes. You're welcome. Uh, so we opened the chapter. We are in with a bunch of black backgrounds, means we're in a flashback as Nico. Is proudly proclaiming how he's figured out electrical currents and used science to conquer God's rules.
0: Uh, he made so, a Tesla the cage.
1: Yeah. Uh, but this is clearly at a point when that was not a regular thing in the world. That rule kind of hadn't been existed. Uh, and we just have one of his scientist buddies say, Hey, you made black holes been added, and we don't know what the fuck this does. <laughs> <laughs> so we just see Nico is constantly beleaguered by how complicated things are. But he is introduced to the newest member of the science lab and also the newest member of Union, Ichiko Namori, the negator Unsleep. And as today, they are a member of both the round table and the laboratory. And we know this is Nico's wife. Uh, she just says, I'm always wired and wide awake. Pleasure to work with you. And of course, there is one weird scientist who goes, whoa, it's a girl. Yeah. Um, followed up by Nico being like, is this how you dress? Cur up those unsightly mounds of flesh. And yeah. she's like, no. <laughs>
0: I do what I want.
1: <laughs> she says there's not a single unsightly area on my body. I hope we get that negator, unsightly.
0: <laughs> well, it is also a little bit of foreshadowing. By the way, I love this initial look for uh Ichiko. I know that there's a big point that involves her bangs, but I love the, like, Miss Bellum from Powerpuff Girls look to her, where it's like, no, you don't see her eyes. <laughs> yeah,
1: you don't see basically anything. Uh, he just says, like, hey, you got to cut your hair, too. Like, trim it. It'll get in the way of work. And he's like, nah, fuck you. <laughs> nope i do what i want (laughs) Uh, but she has joined the laboratory and we see like here's like our graph of who's invented the most stuff and it doesn't exactly say how long it's been but she basically goes from having just like one or two to be neck and neck with nico himself and they're like wow she's like a fucking genius this is incredible uh like none of us are that interested in science really uh, so we, we see Nico and Chico kind of you know hard at work working on things. Uh, and she's up on like this ladder kind of writing things on the giant whiteboard as they're they're playing things out and he's just like, hey, you know like why don't you go like like I know you can't sleep, but you should still rest like why don't you grab a bath or something? And she's like, I don't want to. it's a waste of time. And she just notes, like, you hate gods adding new rules, right? And he's like, yeah, the world keeps getting updated and scientists are and God are playing a constant game of cat and mouse. And he's just like, I want to I want to know everything about this world. I can't stand new rules popping up on the wind. And she's like, that's perfectly fine, isn't it? Learning everything there is to know isn't science. Learning about what you don't know. Now that's science.
0: I love this. Yeah, I mean, because she's right. (laughs) She just is Um, because that's, you know, science is a way of learning things. And yeah, you set off with an idea and then you pursue it as opposed to, well, I'll just learn everything. It's like, no, science is about constant discovery. So it's cool.
1: I agree. I also don't want there to ever end uh, making new Pokemon. It should just keep going forever. I want to be discovering new Pokemon until the day I die, Nick.
0: What's weird about it is that like. They're predominant in their own regions, so presumably, like mass communication doesn't exist in every single individual new region that exists, no matter how much of a major metropolis that, that they are.
1: Yeah, like Gallar and Anova, they just don't talk.
0: Yeah, they don't share their notes with the rest of the world.
1: It, it always makes me laugh. Like, Bill making such a big stink, he's like, I would like to show everybody in the anime. He's like, there are 151, and he probably thought he threw everyone off, and he was like, 151, that's right, I know about Mew. Meanwhile, like five minutes over in Johto, they were just like, hey, we got like 69 more of these stupid things everywhere, and a couple legendary things.
0: Yeah, we've got a little shrine that Celebi comes down to occasionally.
1: (laughs) We got like dogs that were people or something once, I don't know, who knows? Look,
0: our legends are kind of (laughs) weird. We've got a tower to, uh, that is designed to be like Bellsprout. Do you know how much of a structural dumb idea that is?
1: It's also one of those interesting things. you're like, man, Bellstrout, Bellsprout, my sixteenth most favorite grass type from Gen 1, I guess. <laughs> like certainly wasn't the highest on the most. Anyway, we're we're wildly off topic. Uh Ichiko falls off the ladder and Nico catches her. And when he does, he sees like her, her hair kind of parts and he sees her eyes and he's like, well, I'll be, I never knew bags could get that big. Uh, clearly she hits him afterwards because he's nursing his face and missing a tooth.
0: Yes. She hit him very hard. Yeah. Um, I feel like there is supposed to be a double entendre here.
1: Um, Maybe, I don't know. I feel like if he, uh, maybe, I, I don't see it that way, but I suppose you could read it that way. All right. Uh, they just say, hey, you know, uh, she goes into kind of hiding at that point. I think she's very sensitive about it. So she's just been sliding out ideas to that point. And I forget his name, but it's a scientist dude who's dead. I think his name is like Bao or something like that. It's just like, anyway, we're throwing her a birthday party and that's your chance to patch things up. He's like, what? A birthday party? That's a waste of budget. Just get in her room and drag her out. He's like, nope. Just show up to the birthday party. That's all that's happening. He's such a dick about it. Yeah. Uh, so they start celebrating Nico uh, or Chico, and they're like, yep, here's everything we got. Uh, and uh, Nico just says something like, pretty convenient that you came out of your room today. Must not have been that depressed after all. He's such an asshole. And she starts crying, like, oh, Nico's picking to me. And the rest of the scientists just start beating the shit out of him. Uh, and they give him a bunch of gifts, or her a bunch of gifts. And Nico says, hey, don't pack things up just yet. Sit. It's my gift. And he has gotten what looks like an electric
0: chair. It's like, it, he just presents this electric chair. And I was like, why, did, why are you giving her an electric chair? <laughs> Which is a little bit weird, because... Didn't they just figure out what electricity was? Yeah. Hey, hey
1: that's what they've been working on. Capital punishment. Uh, so she goes to sit and She's like, I think this is going to be fun. And Nico says, I built a lot of inventions in my life, but this is by far the dullest. If it was, it's not an electric chair. It is actually something that tr- like puts electrical currents into the body to switch your bags from being underneath your eyes to over the eyes so instead of having these unsightly bags underneath they're on top of the eyes and kind of makes it look like you have eyeshadow shadow on and he's like there you go and the uh Chico just says science is lovely isn't it and he says yeah and we cut back to the present and we see nico himself now has these these vicious bags under his eyes and he just says science is lovely Science isn't about knowing everything, constantly seeking out new rules to understand and utilize. Now that's science. That's why I've decided to accept it. If it means me and you once more, I'll accept this new rule, Ghost, as Ghost comes and grabs onto him. So we're in for quite a treat next week.
0: Yeah, the image of Ghost surrounding him is very, very creepy. And uh, you can also just see how unwell Nico is like with the way his ribs are standing out against his skin and stuff. Uh, So cool stuff. And this is a great uh, little introduction to, you know, how, you know, Nico and Ichigo had their meat cute. Uh, I am curious to see, you know, some more of it, actually, because I do. I do really like the way that Ichigo comes off in this chapter. She's got an interesting design and I just like, you know, the general energy that she presents and stuff. Um, and yeah, things look bad for, for the good guys.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I love the little extra details about Nico seeing this backstory. It's good stuff. Yeah. And even though like, like the,
0: the end from the, the flashback, yes,
1: that's a great moment. Even the like the, the, the kind of stupidity of like, I invented a machine that electrifies your face and sends your bags from the bottom of your eyes to your top of your eyes. And now they're eyeshadow, basically. You're just like that wouldn't. Like, I know this is like a fantasy, but I was like, how would bags under the eyes even look like eyeshadow? You're like, no what? Fuck it. This is their own world. Andy killed fucking slashing the other week. Let's just go with it. Sure, maybe there's a rule that says bags under the eyes look kind of like makeup, but just flipped.
0: Maybe. Yeah. Or maybe the rule that they don't look alike hasn't been invented yet. <laughs> New rule from God. Bags from lack of sleep do not look like I
1: <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, you bitch. You son of a bitch.
0: All right. Let's head over to Kaiju number eight, chapter 64. So Ihara has given Reno an opening to take out the Hanju. Reno takes the shot. And at that moment... Captain Ogata has a flashback, a flashback to when he was talking with uh, what, Hikaru, I think is her name, Kikoru's mother. Uh, and it was when she was basically seen as potential recruits to take on the number four weapon and which, you know, and she goes and talks to Ogata about it. They're like both seemingly like young recruits at this point. And uh, she says, "Like, yeah, I'm gonna be taking this compatibility test tomorrow. And if I can, if I, if it passes, then I'm gonna be able to beat even stronger kaiju. I'll be able to better mitigate damage done to this jurisdiction. And so Agata starts to say, "It's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's great." And she says, "What do you think? Do you think I can do it?" And she suddenly looks, you know, a lot less enthusiastic and a little bit more doubting and more serious. And as Ogata looks back at her, his present self narrates back then, if only I could see into the future, if only I had just opposed the idea, would you still have been here alive and full of laughter? Because all he said in the moment was, yeah, you can do it. I bet you can do it.
1: I am an extraordinarily dumb person. I read this whole chapter and didn't realize that's supposed to be Kikoru's mom. I was like, yeah, this is a new character. I don't know. And she's dead.
0: Well, it's kind of hard to determine certain characters who they're supposed to be from the past sense, so I don't blame you entirely for it. So,
1: Oh, thank goodness.
0: <laughs> like, there, is still, uh, there was some discussion in our Discord server about who some of the characters in that picture at the end are supposed to be, <laughs> for example. But... So Ogata thinks all that uh, while he is watching the end of the battle in front of them because the, the Hanju has been defeated. It's, it's completely killed and everyone's like, oh my god, Officer Ichikawa did it and Ihara comes Racing up to to to, to uh, Reno while he's just sitting with you know his busted up leg on the ground and does this running drive by high five that could have so very easily gone horribly wrong but they managed to pull it off so good good, good teamwork there uh, big celebration by everyone and Ogata is looking on and everything he's like man it sure is great uh, and he's like yeah right Toko. youth sure is great but he's thinking to himself. I wasn't able to stop you or fight by your side when it counted. All of you will be able to rewrite the future as much as you want. And he is crying so hard that snot is coming out of his nose. And Toko, his like vice captain, is like, ugh. <laughs> just completely does nothing to hide her disgust with him. Um, uh, Ogata gets on the radio, says that he, that Reno has passed. Uh, And he says, like, hey, congratulations. A portion of the future of this nation is now in your hands. And uh, Reno thanks him. Toko questions Ogata's uh, decision in this moment. and, And she points out, like, the mistakes that Reno had been making. And he says, yeah, but it's fine now. Because Furuhashi delivered the message for me. Having some old timer lecture him about it wouldn't be in good taste. So... Hey, isn't that nice? Iharu did your job for you. And then... Look, Quinn! It turns out Mina is important, see? Look! (laughs) She did a thing! She had an impact on the plot!
1: She Uh. seems... And you know, we got a lot of character out of her because she says all these great lines, like, how did it go? And that's good to hear... Yeah. And <laughs> silence as the other guy continues to talk.
0: Uh it's it, you could have just like had Ogata goes like, "Oh yeah, Mina, thanks for g- making this recommendation to me. It went exactly as you hoped it would go." Yeah, I can take it from your silence that you're pleased to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine,
1: guys. It's fine. Just yeah. a fine character.
0: Uh, but yeah, I goes over this and he says like, yeah, I think that Reno is worthy of bear of bearing the number six weapon. Uh, and we established that it was actually Mina's idea to have Reno sent out to his squad. Uh, and yeah. So, but as he's going over this, you know, Oh just, just thinks to himself, you know, this is actually really like overly convenient timing. The fact that we found this compatible user for number six And a young student with similar abilities to mine who just showed up right in front of me. Uh, So while he's thinking about this, he takes something out of a drawer at his desk and he proceeds to say to Mina, hey, I'm going to teach these two everything I can. I'll make them into soldiers that'll take your breath away. And he's thinking to himself as he looks at a picture from his past of himself with uh, Ikaru and some other of their classmates at the time i'm sure that this is my duty as a survivor this is my fate so good good character development for uh, ogata i would yeah. say i like this addition um and i like you know the a lot of the way that some of the stuff is worded when he's thinking about this stuff like as i i mean he the, you just get this really really heavy feeling of this guilt that he bears is just like he he must have had such a like it seems like in that moment he didn't really have that much of an impact in the decision process but he's like he's holding on to that still because of his survivor's guilt um but he's going to be carrying that
1: yeah it's it's a good little character study giving more detail into ogata uh kind of helping to build out the idea that the the division captains beyond again and uh, ashiro are going to be important at least now another one is we mm-hmm. have enough significance to be like hey i like ogata i hope nothing bad happens to him um and it's a little detail that adds like context into why he was the way he was i i hope ogata continues to show up i hope he gets to continue to be this mentor to uh reno and and uh ichikawa uh mm. or iharu iharu yeah, yeah. Uh, Ichikara is just Reno. Uh, yes. I hope, you know, I hope we get to see more of that relationship and just more of that stuff. It It's really good. <laughs> yeah.
0: Excellent. All right. Let's move on to uh, Spy Family. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's mission, it's mission 63. So this is really just kind of a one off uh, story that we get here. Uh, there is this event going on surrounding this very, very famous opera singer, Jonas Wellman, who is going to be coming into, uh, I forget if he's coming to the East or the West, but I forget, I, I forget which of the two the story takes place in. I think that that might be partially the point is (laughs) that, uh, but he is so popular essentially that people see this as a potential sign that like, Oh man, this could be like a, a cause of unity between the countries, a, a cease to the conflict. The fact that this huge celebrity is, you know, going to be visiting, uh, but just as he's going to visit, uh, news of a, of a tremendous scandal breaks out that, uh, you know, there was this, that he has, a, a mistress. In fact, he has multiple mistresses seemingly. And so instead of being praised as he's coming into the country, he's being hounded by the paparazzi, uh, and he's in fact the journalists are being like, "You suck!" While they're asking him questions, um, and we cut into uh the headquarters headed by uh the the handler, and there is this younger staff member who is just eating this up and in, is regurgitating the stuff that's in the news, and he's like, "Oh man, that awful traitor." And the handler comes up to him and just just slams the wall next to his head and says, look, we're going to make sure that news of this scandal doesn't reach the West because this could potentially, you know, throw this potential, uh, the potential we have for peace into chaos. And he's like, well, but the guy sucks. Just do it. And the dynamic that base that really takes over the chapter is, oh, look at how young and naive and easily manipulated this 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 kid is versus how experienced the handler is in terms of seeing through the bullshit being skeptical of stuff that the the mainstream media puts out and everything and uh like news eventually breaks out it's like oh all the all the scandals and stuff were fake uh, and suddenly the the recruit is flip-flopping on a dime and it's like <sighs> you suck. Like she just beats him up every time he gets full of himself, which is deserved. Yes. Uh, But eventually something else happens, which is that uh, as the opera singer is making an appearance and there are still people who are, are pissed off about him, you know, about the scandal. uh, There is a bunch of media, the news and the handler spots that there is a very bizarre looking guard towards the back of the crowd that isn't properly outfitted. He doesn't have the proper equipment. And he's, and she says, like, okay, that that there's no way that that a guard would be sent out here that way. So she gets in touch with whatever contacts, which is um, the kebab man. Ah Yes. The twist. I love I love his mustache.
1: He does have, have an adorable little look to him. I don't mean like adorable in a demeaning way, like adorable and like the, I hope you get your peanuts kind of way. Like not quite now, <laughs> but another 20 years, I'm definitely going to be like, I hope you get your peanuts.
0: Yeah, Your kebab style peanuts. <laughs> kebab
1: peanuts, peanut kebab. Uh,
0: so she passes, a, she contacts this kebab man, passes him a code phrase and then heads down there herself as well. And someone does bring up like, Hey, shouldn't we like call twilight to do this? And the handler just says, like he needs his rest. Word is he keeled over in his own home the other day <laughs> because he was in a shock over the tinnitus bolt. Hey, uh, so people start to move. Uh, there is, uh, yeah, turns out that suspicious looking guard is, uh, an assassin. He's trying to cause an incident here. Uh, But, uh, fortunately, the kebab man spots some of the stuff that's happening. Uh, he rushes into action, even as the handler and, uh, her men arrive and the kebab man approaches the opera singer with the paper bag saying, here you are, sir. You ordered your chocolate mint kebabs and they're right here. And I was like, what? I, I didn't order that. Come on, take your chocolate mint kebabs. And of course this. You know, he's getting in the way of this attempted assassination. He's positioning himself directly between them, which buys enough time for the handler to rush into action and use the number one weapon in her arsenal, which is uh, the belt around her waist, which is very, very effective. Uh, And she beats the shit out of this assassin with with it. Um, And they very, very quietly subdue the assassin and just drag him into the trees uh, without anybody noticing this as the kebab man says oh sorry my mistake and uh gets out of the way and uh so everything goes off without a hitch uh and they see that uh, okay well we got the perpetrator of of, you know a lot of the stuff that was going on uh and so they're just kind of like okay yeah, you know, what what morals did we learn today, young recruit? I have learned that I can't let myself be misled by my own ignorance. I won't let myself be deceived. And uh, yeah, yep. Uh, then it turns out that the uh, opera singer did in fact actually uh, like he's, he has actually gotten himself into trouble because one of his mistresses was uh, married to a crime boss, so he's in trouble now. Um, yep. Um, and the young recruits like, wait, but then what exactly is true? And the handler just says, stop waiting for easy answers to fall into your lap. Use that head of yours to find the answers yourself. That's the end of the story. (laughs) Uh,
1: this is one of those chapters that I forgot to read before we started the podcast this week and having read it, I was like, "Mm "Hmm." (laughs) I, you know what? And then I moved on. <laughs> I really I don't know why. There's something like I guess it's like there's like a subconscious part of me that looks at the cast and I was like, oh, there's no Lloyd, no Anya, no you no your, no Bond. So yeah, it just keeps moving nonetheless until it's no, like no,
0: no Damien, no no
1: Yeah. It's like here's Sylvia. I'm like
0: No Henderson, like
1: <laughs> all right. You know, she should get some time in the spotlight, sure. But uh you know, just didn't leave a tremendous amount of impact on me.
0: It's nice to see how capable she is, but she's definitely the type of personality that in order for her to fit in with, you know, the kind of flow that the series goes for either, you know, very heavy dramatic action uh, stuff or just very silly spy shenanigans. She needs to be put opposite somebody to allow that to happen. Even in her interactions with Lloyd, you get to see she helps to bring out some of Lloyd's like insecurity over how the mission is complicated and stuff. If you put her against some of the wackier characters, then she helps to accentuate their wackiness and stuff here. She's just kind of surrounded by some boring nobodies and they don't really bring anything out of her other than, well, she is very smart and competent, isn't she? Which is like, all right, but that's not super entertaining usually. So it's a fine story. Let's go back to the other stuff now, please. Yeah. I'm, but, um, but, Kebab Man.
1: Kebab Man <laughs> lives in our hearts forever and needs to get his own spin off manga <laughs> where he fights crime with like a, a raptor or something like that. I don't know how, but they should. <laughs> uh, that said, let's move on, Nick, to Eden raptor. Zero. What well, a raptor? <laughs> I don't know. But wouldn't it be dope? yes there there you go uh let's talk about eden zero chapter 195 fictitious story uh i can't keep talking about cover pages when they're like this or else i repeat myself uh i will just say i like that coat i would like one like that uh all right so hermit has overdrived
0: uh overdriven or overdrove (laughs) yeah uh
1: I don't know what it really does amounts to, except
0: she she punches pretty good. I guess now that seems to be the only thing that changes because as it turns out, this is not a good measurement of what her overdrive can do at all.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So basically he's like, Oh, this is impossible. It's beyond all the data we have. We cut over to sisters like, ha, I guess it's time for me to fight Joker. And he's disappeared. The clown. Uh, so she has to go off running, and he is laying in their pool, and when she comes in, he's like, hey, would you like to join me in the bath? She's like, the fuck? You think this is a game? And he's like, water is life, and in my hands it turns to poison, and he turns the pool to poison, and says, I am the death of Edens, and I grant you an inescapable
0: demise. Honestly, it's probably the most impressive villain thing that, that's happened in the last several chapters, because like- Hey, there's this huge source of like, you know, ether growing stuff, and he's corrupted it in order to weaponize it. Cool.
1: Yeah. yeah. And it's a very, like, kind of disturbing imagery of him in the pool as, like, toxic smoke now rises from it. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, we cut over to Shiki, who has escaped, and he finds Happy and Pino. And then the giant robot centipede attacks them. I guess that's just hanging out in the hospital. It's the same place yeah. zombie nurses are, but the zombie nurses can't, I guess, attack from the ceiling. Uh, Weiss shows up with a shotgun and saves them, and he's like, I are you? I thought you were hurt or something. He's like, no, I'm fine. It turns out it wasn't my mom, but I, I, I knew that, kind of. He says, I let him trick me with a hologram of someone who can't possibly be here. But it doesn't really explain... I don't know. It's just kinda of dumb.
0: He's fine. it's a very weird way. So I guess obviously what, I guess
1: what he's saying is I fucked up and I acknowledge it rather than I let him trick me into doing it. I guess I guess that's the yeah. way he's supposed to
0: read it. It's a a bit awkward because obviously in order to get to the point where Clown and Killer were facing off against Hermit and Sister, we needed to get Rebecca and Weiss, who were matched up against them, out of the way. So for Rebecca, it's just like, okay, well, Clown beat her. All right. Well, Weiss lost, but... Then he just got back up right away.
1: Yeah, he's figured it, it, out the it, system it. now. He's going to remodel this whole dimension, is what he says. All right. And we come back. As... Look,
0: you can't put somebody over if you just have the job or just get back up immediately after <laughs> it meets
1: the purpose. What if Wardlow beats all 20 security guards, but as soon as he's <laughs> won, all 20 get up. he just get each other back yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> I just all like, no, that didn't actually hurt at all. <laughs> We're actually, all right, turns out. Hey, this wrestling thing's fake. Uh, So we cut back as Hermit is continuing to activate her overdrive to punch Hermit really, really hard, or uh, kill her really, really hard. Uh, He fires a bunch of missiles. I don't know what Hermit does to dodge them, but she does it. I think it's supposed to be a Matrix dodge, but it's...
0: It, it's a little bit... Weird It's half (laughs)
1: It's half Sultuous And then half Incomprehensible So She does that uh, And she says When I'm in overdrive My ballistics projection simulator Is constantly running Sorry But your guns Won't work on me Your luck ran out The second you sneaked Into our hangar Every weapon we keep here Is network linked to me And she shoots Killer
0: With a bunch of guns and honestly, probably should have just like ended stuff there, like again, again with the wrestling terminology. End on your best spot. Like don't don't keep going after you do the the corkscrew four fifty splash off the top of the steel cage. But that's not my finisher. I have to hit my finisher. I, no, end I, on. I that. gotta do like
1: a fucking. I put their head under my arm and spin or something. That's like a <laughs> variation of like eight finishers in, in wrestling right now. Um, uh, she says, do you really want to keep going? And then Killer says, Stupid. she said in the illusion. And it's, it's here I just start laughing for the rest of the chapter because <laughs> he's like, poor thing. You have no idea you're fighting a hologram. All of that, a fictitious story happening in the program I created. While well, the real me is behind you, uh, corrupting you with a virus, destroying you, now come to our side. And then Herbert says...
0: weirdly sexual way of, of doing it.
1: She's going, ah! And then it cuts their her saying, and so it goes in the scenario where you think your hologram is fooling me. <laughs> and, I, and I wanted it to just keep going where they just keep appearing behind one another. <laughs> but the best part... She's a computer programmer, limitless access to technology and weapons. And she's like, I will defeat you with my logical arm blast and just fucking punches him because the series has no way of being creative. Everyone just punches each other. Uh, And he's just like, how did you know it was a hologram? And she says, I extracted the data on your fight with Wise, so I was able to predict your data style, which is weird cuz you didn't use I guess you used holograms but that was an entire dimension you created. I don't know. Regardless, I knew what you were going to do because of Wise. So, I guess I'll have to thank him.
0: Yeah, more ship teasing between Herman and Wise. It's like, all right. Sure, ugh,
1: whatever. Whatever.
0: Whatever. Um I I I don't know why this one thing happens which is hermit very very clearly immediately leaves overdrive after we know she threw one punch like that that is all she actually did the rest of it was her making a fake holographic simulation thing so she, she is she supposed to be out of overdrive well, yeah, because her head headdress thing changes back and the last two uh, and the but her the... hair's all long. Yeah, but like her, her, she doesn't have the big bunny ear headband anymore.
1: Oh, you mean on the very last page? Yes. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah.
0: Well, she's, no, like,
1: she's defeated killer. She, is she punched him once. <laughs> That's all you need, Nick. She's like William Regal, the power of the punch. Just gave him one and boom, he's done. No more.
0: Look, if she if she had like done a thing, because one of the things that I do actually like about seeing Hermit battle is that there's a little bit of a flourish where she like she kind of presses these keys that appear in front of her fingertips. So it's like, oh, she's like hacking herself to do an attack or whatever. If she had done that and like a pair of brass knuckles had appeared on her on her hand before she punched her, all right, fine, yes, yeah, so I'll accept the one punch <laughs> because she did something to her fist. But this was a dumb fight moment. Uh, and for the most part, is like, all right, whatever, just move on to the next chapter. <laughs> there was one cool moment with cloud. That was it.
1: Yeah. It's, I, I really just got so tickled that <laughs> yet again, a fair, a fairy tale Eden zero characters finished was a giant punch
0: at the face. After you had the whole thing, it's like, I've hacked all of the guns to shoot you.
1: That's the cool moment. I've just used every gun ever to blast you. And it's like, and now I will defeat you by punching you real hard. I guess there's like an explosion in her punch or something. I don't know. Just very dumb. Anyways, let's go on to talking about other manga.
0: Yeah, let's do that. It's Akane Banashi. So,
1: Akane Banashi.
0: Akane Banishi. Uh, so, how would off-
1: how would Mark Wahlberg say Akane Banashi?
0: Akane, aka Ni nee Banashe <laughs> aka <no>. Ban- <laughs> Banshee. <laughs> Why aren't they running from her if she's going to scream? <laughs> Watch out! She'll scream and steal your souls out
1: your face. Also, buy crypto. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the report that was like if you if you invested a thousand dollars into cryptos the day the Matt Damon crypto fortune favors the bold thing went out, it would be worth like 250 or something.
0: <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> god every celebrity who got on that was like no no you were getting on it while it was it had just passed the the last stop before going over the edge of the bridge just ridiculous the,
1: the funniest one by far is seth green which makes me a little sad because i kind of <sighs> like seth green <laughs> but he was planning to do like a web series with his ape and then he got hacked And lost his ape, so now he can't do the show because he actually doesn't doesn't own own that ape (laughs)
0: anymore. Because NFTs are stupid.
1: (laughs) It was a very funny moment.
0: Oh god. All right. Uh, Anyway, let's talk about something that like you can actually like gain some enjoyment from, like this manga. So, Akane Bonashi story seventeen: the Karaku Cup prelims. We start this off with a short little flashback of Akane and her teacher researching in the library, uh, trying to figure out what Akane is going to do for her Jugemu performance. And uh, so her teacher asks, like, oh, so I guess that what you're going to do is practice your speed technique. And uh, Akane's like, yeah, that's what you'd think. But I realized something important recently, which is that the key to performing it isn't to speak really, really fast. Uh, And we cut ahead to uh, the present where she is performing her Jugemu. And we just get kind of some kind of like generic observations from, oh, I forget this guy's name, but uh, the the main kind of rival character that we've had set up before, who is uh, older than Akane. And he's just like, yeah, you know, she's very poised. She's not just, you know, she wasn't just bragging when she said that she was, you know, going to win this competition and stuff. Um Gurika observes that, like, yeah, you know, she's she's seriously very good. She's just better than everyone here, essentially. Um, But despite that, he knows that Jugemu's is a huge handicap for her. And he's like, I mean, yeah, so I, I still don't know if she'll actually win. So how is she going to do it? How is she going to change the pivotal phrase? And we just get this full page spread of Akane saying Jugemu's name. And it just, and we get, you know, this heavy emphasis on uh, her giant three segmented word bubble that has to say the whole freaking thing, and she blasts through the name, which takes Krika back because like I thought she wasn't going to say the name really, really fast. It's like sharper than it was when she performed it before, but it's still just straightforward recitation. Did she just ignore Koguma's advice? Um, and so, but Koguma thinks herself, even if it's ultimately to help her win the final, she's limiting herself to just the phrase in the prelims. So he's seemingly immediately caught on to what Akane is trying to do. Uh, and as Akane progresses through it, she actually starts going through the name faster. And there is a wonderful touch because, uh, the way that Akane's word bubbles are segmented indicates where she takes a breath in the middle of saying the name. And so you see, it's like it's in three segments because she takes two breaths first. And then she it's in two segments because she only takes one breath the second time. And this is like laid out later to let you know, it's like, by the way, this is what's happening. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, so, as she goes through this, she's she's thinking to herself like, OK, to set up for what I'm going to do in the finals today in the preliminary round, I'm going to win with just my straight right punch, just reciting the phrase. And we get this big two page spread of her just going through the name while she strikes this very confident pose and going and going through it.
1: It's and an immensely that's it. awesome two page spread. It's her. It's their way of symbolizing she's doing it all in one breath. Yeah. And it's so fucking cool.
0: This Maga's getting us excited over, yeah, she didn't take a breath while saying (laughs) it.
1: She said a long phrase in one breath, this shit fucking rules.
0: (laughs) Um and uh, while uh, her teacher is looking on, uh, she overhears some of the peanut gallery behind her saying, "Like that girl's like really good. She could be like a professional." And obviously, like you know, she's completely turned a corner now. She wants to be a good supporter for for her students. So she like turns over to Krika and is like, "What did you think of it from a professional standpoint? It was good, right?" Uh, yeah, it wasn't bad. I agree. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> uh and she says that one of the things that akane has been doing to prepare for this has been doing like jump rope exercises which is a cute little panel i love
1: this i love showing like it's always one of my favorite things is showing like how people get better at their craft by doing the same things we traditionally just associate with like athletes and things like that yeah like i remember it was like when i used to watch a lot of like competitive league of legends they were like yeah, I go to the gym every morning because, like, one, just going to the gym is good for your, your physical health. But, like, you need to get regular cardio and things like mm-hmm. that and, and, you know, get your energy levels up for practicing and playing as much as you do. And I, I always just appreciate seeing that connection presented to us.
0: Yeah. And there's a, a cute little panel of Akane doing jump rope exercises <laughs> with, with her friend Jumbo. And it's like, oh, that's nice.
1: Like, Jumbo's going to hang around forever. You know?
0: Yeah. I also love that you can tell that Jumbo is jumping way more rope than Akane, too. (laughs) It's like, well, yeah, that makes sense.
1: I mean, he is like a karate master or something, right?
0: But uh, so there's that. And and yeah, we're left with just like, you know, Akane's teacher is like, you're doing great, Miss Osaki. I bet you can win. Oh, but we cut to. um, Oh, gosh, I have already forgotten this new character's name, but it's the arrogant uh, current champion shmik uh, shmik yeah so
1: shmik shmik <laughs> that's actually a new pokemon it's going to be a, a poison fairy type and it just it's like a little it's like a slimy little squirrel, it's just like shmik shmik <laughs> but then uh, it evolves into a super hot bar bar dude <laughs> uh
0: and so he's not worried about this he's like look she's really good yes but, you know, it's like when a mega talented singer goes up and sings a kid song like you're not going to win with that. It's not, you know, something that you go into a competition with. She's just playing around and nobody who's just copying some ancient Rockago story stands a chance against me. I mean, I hope she does well because it'll only add to my legend. <laughs> this asshole. <laughs> But uh, on the other hand, the actress uh, approaches Akane and she's like, hey, you want some tea? You know, this is like, you know, I'm returning the favor because, hey, you you helped me fix my kimono before. Uh, and it's a nice little political play that she's do- that she does here because she's like, yeah, I mean, like, it's a good excuse for her to do it. But she's like, yeah, I don't know anything about this girl. I couldn't find any information about her when I looked her up on my phone and she's, you know she's pretty, she's talented. She's got Kaise Arakawa's attention, but she's just some high schooler who's younger than me. So uh, she's you know going to get some fans, but she's also my competition. So I've got to outdo her at everything in order to be the star of the Karaku Cup. So, Two, diff- two very different approaches to dealing with Akane, and I, I do really like that. You know, if you're going to have two rivals for Akane in this competition, yes, please have them very different from each other. So um, Akane and her two rivals draw the most attention. Uh and then eight names get selected to go into the the finals. And, of course, the three of them are amongst the, the finalists. And we just kind of speed through the preliminary round. We're going to the second round uh, shortly after this as uh, we get the observation that, yeah, things are going to get hairy from here.
1: So, yeah, everyone has to shave their head.
0: I mean, that's an interesting... Uh, Development, yeah.
1: Uh, oh, what about Rakugo on a pole match?
0: <laughs> Feast or fire <laughs> You just have to do Rakugo with a spider on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a great chapter. I, this is yeah. such a... This is the most sports manga that Akane Banashi has been so far, too. Like, showing the training and also... Continuing that boxing metaphor that we've had going on with, like, oh, it's trying to win a boxing match by just using your straight right punch. But it's also clearly doing a setup here uh, where it seems as though it's like, yeah, Akane is just doing what you would expect someone to do to try and, you know, do a good performance of this one Rakugo story. But clearly she's holding on to her actual ace in the hole for right now. And it definitely seems as though. She's done it this way, purely as a setup for when she'll do something very different in the next one to take to take people off guard and make an even deeper impression. So I look forward to seeing how that plays out.
1: Indeed. Now, with that said, you know, we got to talk about Nick. Everyone's favorite new
0: series. Oh, before before we move on, can I just share my prediction? Uh, For So I think that Akane's thing for how she's going to approach it the next time is instead of speeding through the name, she'll have like different characters like stumble over it differently.
1: Okay, I think she isn't going to I think she's going to do it all pantomimed. (laughs) (laughs) She won't talk at all (laughs) now. But she's just going to mime as though she's saying it.
0: All right, let's move on to Aliens area number two, Hajime Shiraku. All right, so last time Tatsumi found out that he had an alien thing playing his body, makes his body all weird. He can fight aliens if he wants to. And our cop guy, uh, Shiraku, is like, hey, you could join up with my not the FBI secret squad thing, or we'll erase your memory with this, and then you can go back to your life outside of it. And Tatsumi's like... I don't know anything about this organization you supposedly belong to. And the people who are with trucker are like, let's just wipe his memory. Come on. Just, come on. Why are you doing this? It's this a waste of time. Let's just, let's just wipe his memory. And truck is like, but he's got an implant that makes him fight. Good. He'd be very useful to us. Hey, how about you come? Like we'll do a ride along. Just like come to us come with us on a secret classified mission and decide what you want to do afterwards. OK, uh, Tatsumi decides to go along with it because he realizes, like, I mean, I do seriously need money, uh, so I will give this a try. You yes, know?
1: and I can't really work with my hands like this.
0: Yeah, it's good justification. It's like I can't get a normal job, so I might as well see what this is about. Yeah, yeah it's intelligent. So... Uh, and then he's like, all right, but I'll take these two to the hospital first. And then they go on it. And it turns out that, uh, they're doing a sting because there are some aliens who, uh, have been kidnapping people. Uh, they know about this because, oh, there was this girl who was abducted by aliens and held a prisoner, but she managed to get away. So we know that there are some people inside the shack over here. See aliens come to earth. For all sorts of reasons. Traveling, business, invasion, research. <laughs> just, <laughs> slip that in just it. kind of
1: thrown in there.
0: Uh but uh anyway, one of the aliens spots them and chucks a rock at Shiraku very, very hard, but he dodges it while still keeping his binoculars held up. Uh and uh the alien uh is in a kind of is a in a really weird human disguise, he's got long hair and a weird beard and sunglasses and caterpillar eyebrows. So he's like, "Oh man, he dodged my rock that I threw. I, I better kill this guy." Also, he's got like mandibles coming out of his mouth. Yeah,
1: because aliens are weird, Nick.
0: Yeah. Look at how different these guys are. They look like humans, but with little parts added on. So They're strange, weird. So. Uh Shiraku's gonna fight these guys, but the guy's just like, No, I'm gonna run away. Uh and so Shiraku uh is like, okay, well, I'll activate some of my equipment. And he taps his wristwatch, which releases gravity field control thing. And it's very, very difficult to read this because it's it just blends right in that word bubble. Why is that word bubble semi-transparent and blending in? I don't know. Anyway, he activates a gravity release thing and then goes like pew, pion pinballing between trees, and then shows up next to the guy and just he just says zero gravity instead of like doing anything. Uh, so uh, he gets punched, uh, but he just spins around and then uses that to uh, hit the guy with his with his cane. But the guy blocks it and he's like, "You may be the law, but you're low tech." Uh, so since he's grabbed his cane, uh, Shiraku just activates the taser on it and, and and electrifies him. Yeah.
1: Hey. He's like, you know what true technology is? If I just electrocute you.
0: <laughs> it's a taser. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. Uh, they uh rescue the family. Uh, and uh, the baby there's a baby who's reunited with his with their parents. And it's like, oh, look at that. And Chiraku observes that Tatsumi is making a note of this. And is like, oh, it looks like you're happy to help people. Uh, and with that right hand of yours, you do have the power to help people. It ending.
1: I wonder if this was just a weird way of translating it. Because when he's like, you look like you're happy to help people. And it's like, he didn't do shit. He, he specifically did nothing. You told yeah. him not to get involved in any way, shape, or form. What do you mean?
0: That's why I said the thing I did instead of the thing the manga said. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you know, he says like, look, you can't live up to your potential if you're just, you know, at some ramen joint, put it, put your power to work at foreign affairs five. Uh, and so Tatsumi's like, Hey, I mean, look, I, I, I've only got like a high school degree. Do I not need some special classification? He's like, I'll work it out. Okay. But I've still got to care for my younger siblings. And I, so I can't work too late. All right. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Anything else? Yeah. I'll take the job. Okay. it's I mean I like Tatsumi's like character I mean I think that his very dedicated nature is like there's something magnetic about that It's like he's he, he acts very sensibly but is you know very concerned about his family Shiraku's very like alright he sure is there I, I feel like we're supposed to think that he's much weirder than he actually comes across as and uh, the action's not Great so far. So like so yeah, all right, it's just, okay. It was a manga.
1: I, I think it's a fine second chapter because it's 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 actually been something I kind of like. Where the first chapter shows us how cool the main protagonist is, we get to see how he fights and all that stuff. The second chapter goes to show who our sort of side protagonist, deuteragonist, mentor, whatever he is. We get to see the other character do stuff, and the main character doesn't have to repeat anything. It's a way to get like a fresh perspective. And it also goes to show, like, hey, these guys are kind of like cops and heroic in a way or something. It's kind of unclear exactly what they are.
0: So They're far- cops, but heroic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so far, we've seen aliens in exactly one light, and that is criminals. So that's a little bit of a strange thing, but I'm I'm sure we're going to get more at some point. Um, but, you know, as a way of, like, effectively showing us another character and seeing that, I, I thought it was fine. I don't know if this has gotten me more excited for the series, though. It was like, unleash, activate, special technique number one, anti-gravity, and all this cool stuff. And he's just like, and I'll defeat you by pushing a button on my stick and it shocks you. (laughs) It's just like, all right, that's kind of a a letdown from anti-gravity fucking kung fu. But, you know,
0: I I could have walked over to you and done this.
1: (laughs) I guess you get what you get. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right, let's move oh, over. Oh, I should note because yes. uh,
1: this is actually a very good time because we're on chapter two. Chapter three will be next week, where you will not be here.
0: Oh my god, we're gonna
1: have a special guest next week. Uh, oh
0: guys. no, you're gonna ha- are you gonna have Austin decide if we
1: keep reading this? Austin Yorski of Dice Funk will be joining us next week, and I think it'll only be fair. <laughs> If Austin Yorski gets to decide whether or not Weekly Monger Recap continues discussing Aliens' area or not.
0: I don't know if it'd be fair. Uh, it's only fair, that's, Nick. That's not the adjective I would use to describe this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, let's move on to Blue Box. It's let's cha- do it. Chapter number 56. Who do you think I am? uh so we see taiki continuing his uh batman match against uh yusa uh and this is drawing a little bit of attention from some of his uh fellow club members as well at this point and they're just like yeah i mean he's he can kind of get close but he just can't finish he can you know keep up in a rally but he can't put it away so he can't score any points so then it's completely meaningless that he's working so hard for this um uh how are you in particular is the one who's like if you can't get the point it's meaningless. and everyone's like i mean you could be a little bit nicer to him and how are you just shouts out to taiki i've already seen you lose <laughs> it's like completely merciless but he thinks to himself privately like look i know this is just a practice match but if you aren't growing from this you're gonna get left behind again so he's v- still very much aware of the rut that Taiki is in. He's like, look, if he doesn't learn from this, it's not going to do him any good to have this match. So, and Taiki is really struggling. Uh, he's you know constantly like just having the the uh, the shellcock just go past him, uh, and he is also clearly much more tired than Yusa is. Uh, he's doing a lot of heavy breathing, sweating more heavily profusely and he's just getting really hard on himself and he's like oh man i could punch myself for just nonchalantly proclaiming i'm gonna go to nationals i still got to be better than this guy i mean when i won a set against Haru, i let that go to my head and because of that everyone else went to nationals and i just watched from the sidelines and we see you know in particular like you know they're I can't remember if we actually saw any of this ceremony previously or if it's just like a flashback to something that we haven't seen previously, but it's uh, Haru and Shinatsu and uh, Hina all on stage to accept their we went to nationals awards um, along with a bunch of other students and Taiki's just in the crowd applauding for them. So I do appreciate that. It's like, yeah, every other important athletic character at his school got to do something cool, and he's the only one left behind. Uh, But on top of that, he, you know, is thinking about uh, Hina's uh, confession to him. And he thinks to himself, I mean, I was happy when she did that. I was surprised, but I was happy. But still, part of me was thinking, what, Me? Like, he doesn't feel like he is worthy to have anyone look at him that way. And as he is thinking that, he tries to hit the shellcock cock over the net and it just smacks into the net. So now it's like he's, even, he's doing even worse uh-huh. now. Oh. Yeah. So we see, uh, we get over to where Chinatsu is and she's talking with her, her friend and she's like, hey, is he okay? It, it looks like he's starting to get rough. He's, he's getting kind of desperate now. Uh, and Shinatsu says, oh, yeah, I'm sure he's fine as long as he's still standing. Uh, and now Taiki is thinking, you know, about like, you know, Shinatsu. And it's like, oh, you know, when Shinatsu was feeling down and he's just thinking about, you know, that now. And so he's just getting extra distracted and he sets up Yusa with just like this perfect uh uh placement to just do a smash over the top of the net uh and now it's just like oh come on like he's doing even worse he's just playing right into use of his hands uh and like he's falling even further behind and i was thinking about chinatsu still and he thinks you know i was happy when chinatsu was upset and she turned to me for help and i wanted to cheer her up but and they just starts thinking about the happy times that they had together and how happy she was and how happy he was to just be with her while she was happy. And he's ends this thought by just thinking, who do I think I am? And Yusa hits the shuttlecock towards him and Taiki does something very impressive and painful looking. Which... Say,
1: does <laughs> one of the worst fears a human being can have when they're doing anything athletic, like I hope it don't slip and go into a split.
0: Ah, uh, he goes to try and return the shellcock and his foot slips, and he lands in a full split. And to make matters worse, the shellcock doesn't even go over the net when he does it. Uh, now,
1: now, Nick, do we want to put a statement, like a, a firm stance on the a split the splits debate?
0: I don't care enough about it.
1: <laughs> what would you say? It is tight. Ty- what did Taiki just do?
0: Uh, it is an instance so therefore it is a split but if it is the act itself then he does these splits
1: all right sounds like you you've decided to go the mr Miyagi route of getting smashed right down the middle so
0: um, which is extra painful because you know with your legs spread out then it just
1: <laughs> just takes out your gonads yeah uh well carry that with you while you go to sleep tonight
0: squish like grape yep. <laughs>
1: I remember being in high school and uh, I had a science teacher who was asking me, like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? And I was starting to explain. I was like, well, just considers when, like, you're really thinking, like, evolution, like, what was eventually a chicken or something like that? And, you know, what what was that? He's like, so what answer is it? And I was like, I don't know. He's like, boom, squish like grape. And I was like, all right, fuck you. I don't know. <laughs> That's
0: uh that's a gotcha. Read yeah. that right there. It's no That's
1: this is the same teacher who did the stupid riddles and, and all that bullshit. I've 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 what, talked riddles. about it before. He he's had like a thing
0: that was No no I'm just like what's wrong with riddles? <laughs>
1: you no know, riddles present, are fine. I
0: present you a riddle every
1: week. <laughs> Those riddles are fine. It's the stupid uh fucking
0: uh Oh the, the- where you're not presented it with enough information. It was the to... one. It was
1: a. It was a riddle where it's like a man goes into a restaurant, order, orders albatross soup, and kills himself. Takes one sip and then goes outside and kills himself. Why? And you're like, you had to ask fucking thirty follow up questions. Right. It's just like this isn't a fucking riddle. It's a goddamn puzzle. Someone had in a book or some horse shit that you saw. This sucks.
0: I had a book of those kinds of puzzles, and they were often very, very frustrating to to, to look through. Yeah. uh For another kind of thing along the lines of a split versus the splits i find it that i use the term if i refer to a relative of my own uh it's my aunt but if i refer to the concept of like a relative in general it's aunt
1: Mm, that's a good one uh yeah i kind of see that as myself aunt and aunt Mm -hmm. it's interesting
0: Anyway, uh, (laughs) everyone's like he loses. Well, yeah, Taiki base. It looks like he loses, Uh, and also he's kind of humiliated. And uh, like everyone's like, "Are you are you okay?" Because he just did the full splits and also slammed his gonads into the into the floor of the gym too.
1: To miss the point. hit the net.
0: so bad. It could not have gone worse unless, like, his In front of his two
1: crushes. Like, in front of (laughs) the two girls, he mostly wants to impress both of them solid. It's like, ooh.
0: Yeah, the way it could have gone worse is if his shorts split down the middle afterwards.
1: Yeah, and then his mom showed up and is like, honey, are these your skin marks in your underwear? (laughs) (laughs) Like, he's just like, I don't want to be here anymore.
0: Yeah. So, uh, he, he gets a little bit of help, uh, and then we just covered Yusa at the end of the chapter, who just... Just on top of it, just doesn't care about what's just happened, just does a cool flip and sh- flips the shovel cock into his end like, eh, I'm I'm awesome. He's <laughs> like, it. I
1: rule. Everyone knows it.
0: Well, so this was a kinda of devastating chapter in a way, but it's like do need to go through something like this, because like, yeah, you need to go through something in order to break out of the pattern you're holding in. So yeah all right. Drun, drun. let's wrap this up real quick chapter 26 oh man Dosan is I better run away because geez these guys gonna kill me Uh, but immediately Dora catches him Uh, and Dosan's like oh please please I was threatened into doing this please and Dora's like <laughs> Kusanagi's like
1: fool me seven times shame <laughs> on me
0: and Dora's like shut the fuck up we're gonna kill you and Dora's like come on Kusanagi we're like family I'll, uh, I'll I promise your I won't
1: murder any more of your best friends <laughs> the three I did at this point was
0: enough and Dora's like please you can step on me if you like and Dora's like but no that's gross I'll kill you <laughs> it doesn't doesn't do anything to let the lie gestate even yeah. but. But Kusenag is like, nope, and uh, turns into a tentacle thing to wrap around Dosan's. I love it because he's like, gotcha. It's like, got what? <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, gotcha? Did he let his guard down? Because you were just like, I'll suck your dick. I'll lick your shoes. i fucking, you can poop in my mouth. Just do it. I'll be your toilet. Just do it. Let me. Oh, it. you fool. <laughs> you
0: gotcha, you nerd. In, partic- in particular, the way it went was, please, you can do all this gross stuff to me. What? No. Ew. Ha ha! I got you! Was like, I said no. <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about? So, Kusanagi grabs him by the trunk and is like, you can't fool me anymore! You're not my friend or family, Dosan!
1: <laughs> I'm starting to think we might not actually be buddies! Oh! He's not his friend! <laughs> Now I'm going to punch your heart out.
0: <laughs> so Dora punches Dosan in the face so hard that it rips his trunk off, which, ew. Uh, and Dosan's like, well, this is bad. <laughs> um, and then Kanbei, uh, the guy who, you know, recruited him, shows up and he's like, save me. And Kanbei's like, hmm, man, there's not a lot left of uh, the the supernatural energy you still huh?" Well, uh, get this stone. Right. <laughs> so he absorbs his power into a, a, a rock, which is called Supernatural Energy Ore. Uh, and it also absorbs his energy. And Kusanagi like, oh, it's Supernatural Energy is gone, too. Did that other Mononoke disintegrate it? And Dora goes, so it killed its own friend. I don't think they were friends, Dora, but okay. Uh, And Kusanagi uh, is also apparently like, uh, oh, Dosan's actually dead. Oh, God. So, I I don't know. And Dora's really upset. Like, like, why did you kill your friend? He was a horrible murderer that I was probably going to kill, but why did you kill him? And Gambe's like, I was using it for my own purposes. Whatever. You were gonna kill it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Dora says, "Oh, I don't like what you did." Yo, know, and Kabe says, "Well, but you two are using each other for your own purposes too." And they're like, "No, we trust each other. We're friends." And Kabes like, <laughs> "Whatever." Look at all this you power I got in to this do rock. that,
1: kind of like an like an elephant. Yeah,
0: a little bit. <laughs> I like that. I'm very proud of that. So uh he's got a powerful rock now, and Dora's like, I'm angry, Super Saiyan, Bah uh launches some uh fire at him and uh then runs away while doing it, and Dora is so distracted by him running away that he doesn't react to the fire coming towards him until Kusanagi goes, Dora, there's fire coming towards us. Oh right, it's hot. Uh, and Kabe says well I've achieved my goal thanks to your help bye Uh, and he leaves and uh, um, um, uh, Gusnagi dissipates the fire more fire goes everywhere and now Tora shows up and uh, blocks the rest of it Um, and they talk uh, and then now Tora apologized to Gusnagi because she doubted him uh, and uh, then um, they make amends Um, And then the sun comes up and Dora gives the thumbs up while the sun's behind him. And they're like, he's so cool looking. And that's it.
1: Yeah, that is it. Um, Look. (sighs) It's fine. Uh, (laughs) This is a dumb manga that is hopefully on its way out. Uh, Every chapter seems to exist in its own stupid little space and you read it and there's like one thing you take away is like well that was really dumb and then the chapter just kind of ends and that's what this one was uh but you know at least dosan's dead so the epic dosan saga really well not even an arc really a saga is finally come to an end and i think it's time we place it on our pantheon of top sagas of all time oh yeah So i'm thinking i i, I think the Marineford saga is maybe a little bit better, but it's definitely better than the Frieza saga. So I'm going to put it like right in between those.
0: I mean, it's easier to get through than the Frieza saga just by sheer volume, I guess. That's that's a
1: key detail.
0: uh, All right. Quinn, I've got a puzzle for you. For me? Yes. All for you. Well, and also, also our listeners, if they want to participate. So, uh, the clue is, Poisonous paradigms partnerships preempt predictable perfidy. And right off the bat, I will say perfidy means betrayal. Like, I'm just gonna, I'll just give you what that means.
1: Poisonous (laughs) paradigm. And then...
0: I would, I would give you the text of it, but I can't because Skype's being weird right now.
1: Okay, But it was poisonous paradigm...
0: Yes, poisonous is in poisonous is in quotes. By the way,
1: preempt, predictable, perfidy. perfidy. Okay, so there was an obvious betrayal, mm-hmm. but they teamed up with somebody. Yes, and it's poisonous. Yes, poisonous. What kind of poison factions or partnerships were there? Hmm. Like, all right, I, I I think this through. Actually, I need to think this through predictable betrayal.
0: Yes. Poisonous
1: paradise partnerships. It's not John Moxley.
0: No. Oh, okay. Okay. No, because uh That was at least a twist.
1: Yeah. No. I was gonna say that was a little surprising. Poisonous Paradigms Partnerships.
0: Hmm. I would
1: give me say- give, give me a hint. Is this a modern wrestler?
0: Not really. Okay. <laughs> uh, like eighty-five percent, no. Okay. Um, poisonous paradigm. I will say refers to uh, one person. Okay.
1: It's not Tajiri. No. Okay. Because that—that's a person to use the poison mist. So I just had to be sure. Um. I'm not sure. I'm going to go with J- uh, Jackie in our chat said Sting. So I'm going to go with Sting.
0: Jackie K with the assist. <gasps> that is correct. Uh, sting is the poisonous because Stinger. Uh, Paradigm, which is another word for icon, uh, who multiple times teamed up with Ric Flair and WCW, and everyone knew that he was going to get betrayed, and he didn't see it coming, and then he got betrayed.
1: <laughs> Aww. Good job, Stinger. Good job, Jackie. That was uh, an excellent assist.
0: Yeah, very well done. Thank you for that. All right. We will move on then to PPP, PPP, Chapter 36, Dance in the Sky, featuring a very cool and creepy color page of Sora Chica. Mm -hmm. Um, So... We uh, start off the chapter, the chapter proper with uh, essentially a summary of the event that Fanta has you know, organized uh, the participation for the four on four piano battle. Which uh, we, are, we have a clarification that's like, OK, so here's the four pieces of music that are going to be performed and the four different pieces of music are going to also be performed in different ways. Two of them are piano solos. Uh, one of them is a concerto with orchestral accompaniment, and one of them will, be, quote unquote, be played as is, which I don't know what that means because I don't know anything about piano music. So, uh, but uh, we see that it is actually uh, Sora Chica who is looking over this um, uh, after we cut over to the next page. Uh, and so, OK, Sorachi's kind of like going over like, all right, well, Fonta and Lucky are going to be in the fourth round. They'll be playing to be together again. OK, popular song in Japan. Uh, and then someone admits Lucky in uh, to see Sorachika. And uh, at that brief moment, we cut and flashback to a week ago uh, where Lucky uh, went to the university where they're going to be doing this performance and uh, met the concert master of the orchestra, Mao Niza. Uh, and she you know, hands over Lucky's music uh, and uh, she's, she observes like, oh, you know, yeah, you, you, you look you know just like Fanta because you guys have the same eyes. And then she points at her own eyes and says, oh, do I remind you of someone? And Lucky says, oh, Miss Wow. I was like, I wasn't reading the manga then, so I'll take your word for it. Uh, so she said she talks a bit about uh, the piece that Lucky is going to be performing, "To Be Together Again," which is a reflection on the sadness of graduation, a sadness born from spending fun and loving days here. Uh, she also brings up that Fanta like left. Uh, so they have already been over the details of what he's going to be performing because he's got stuff to deal with in the in the United States. Uh, and she asks, like, hey, you know, we're going to we're going to be working together because you're going to have an accompaniment for this. So what do you want to do? Uh, you know, you're 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 also living apart from, you know, your siblings, but you're still on Notogami. So do you want to figure out some details here by looking over the, the staff sheet, basically? Um, and they go over that. But then we kind of fade into the conversation between Lucky and Sora, and Sora Chica says, "So it was too much for you." And Lucky says, "Yeah, so Dada Sensei told me I need to start by learning how to play it, and it's really hard. <laughs> it's a really hard, really long piece of music, and I've never played with an orchestra before. I don't know what to do. I I don't think I can win." <laughs> Um, and he sounds really, really nervous as he's going over this. And he's like, look, I mean, you know, I th- but I think, you know, I'm like, I'm a wreck right now. But Sorachika, if, if, if you're on my team, like we can win. And Sorachika is quiet for a moment. Uh, but then he just kind of closes up the music and he hands it back to Lucky and says, well, eh, why don't you just play what you can? You should play relaxed so that the fantasy doesn't materialize. And I'll play the orchestral parts. And Lucky starts to hesitate. And Sora says, oh, come on. So they sit down at Sora Chica's two pianos in this big two-page spread. And Lucky's still like, oh, what do we do about this? And Sora's just like, oh, it's fine. Just play. And we just get this montage of them playing. And as they're playing, Sora is kind of substituting for the other parts of the orchestra as well. And uh, Lucky thanks Sora for covering for his mistakes. He's like, yeah, when, when you did that, I was able to play normally. And Sora is kind of gentle with him. He says, look, just play normally. The orchestra will adjust with you uh, since, you know, the pianist is like the thing that everything revolves around. But, you know, I'm sure it was hard to play for the first time because it is difficult uh, but Lucky gets down on himself because he's like, you know, I bet that Fanta specifically picked this song because he wants to win so that he doesn't have to meet mom. He wanted to make sure that I would lose. He he only thinks about himself. Um, and Sora starts to say, like, yeah, he, he's self-centered. But is it wrong to be self-centered? And Lucky starts to say, like, yeah. I mean, he's got to take other people into account. He's got to think about mom. He should be thinking He should be concerned for her. And Sora says, look, you're very kind. lucky, But kindness can be egotistical as well. It manipulates people. Depending on the situation, maybe it's the worst kind of ego, like getting everything you hate shoved down your throat as they smile. So I think it would be good if you came to understand that. By the way, Sora looks like really creepy mm. when he's saying this, and it definitely sounds as though he has dealt with this firsthand, and we just don't have the details yet. Um, but he says all this very casually, and like he's like, "But mom's going to die," and Sora says, "I look forward to dying." <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you're
1: like wow this this conversation took a real dark I, turn I'm not prepared
0: for this uh, but he then goes on to say it's like hey you know death's the ultimate unknown like you could go to heaven you could go to hell you could go to something somewhere else or you know there might not be any afterlife at all but at the very least you'll turn to ashes and dance in the sky so I don't feel sorry at all that death is coming uh so and Lucky, dark. and lucky's like what the fuck are you saying <laughs> he's like we we're talking
1: about a piano song why are you talking about this
0: <laughs> so sora says look i don't understand why you won't use your strengths to win you know sadness aren't you curious how you can use that in your performance you might be able to defeat Fanta as you are now doesn't that make you happy I'm going to play for Fanta's team Sorry Hope your performance is interesting And uh, He goes to leave And on his way out He runs into Ray I think it's, I think it's Rager Okay I didn't read the Rager arc so.
1: I believe so I'm not 100% positive but I believe that's him
0: so yeah, that's where we, we close off the chapter. Uh it, it was a bit unexpected for me to to see that uh, no, Sora is actually going to be going up against Lucky when it, it seemed like it had been teasing that he would be be one of uh, Lucky's teammates. Before.
1: I expected that was going to be the case. It've been a little too easy to get Fanta or Sora Chica and potentially Mimin on the same team. Uh, So this kind of creates his team with a little bit more underdog energy because now he potentially might not even be able to get Mimin because she doesn't want to play classical music.
0: That's right. So
1: it might just be like fucking himself. Maybe he gets Raijiro and then it's like, I don't know. Furusu. Yeah, Furusu. Fucking that dude with the piano hair or whatever that's hung (laughs) around for a bit or something. I don't know, maybe.
0: Yeah. Um, I, it's... (laughs) Like, it's very dark, but it is also interesting to see Sora, like, talk so romantically about this concept that Lucky is so worried about. I mean, dancing with the sky, Sora is a word for sky in Japanese. So there is a connection to him. And this seems like a very core central aspect of his character uh, in this early uh, part of his story. Mm -hmm. Um. And also, I like that this is a very different obstacle that Lucky has to have going up against him. It's not just, oh, there's a very, very good pianist I have to defeat. It's this is something that I'm just not used to doing at all. And I need help on this. And the most reliable person I thought I could turn to for help is actually going to be going up against me. It's a big setback for him. Yes.
1: It's very good. I like it quite a lot.
0: Yeah. (sighs) New right. series. Let's, I, I, honestly, this won't take very long. Ruri Dragon. It's, it's a new series about a girl who wakes up and she's got horns on her head. Chapter one, now, it's Nick, got nothing to do with the horns.
1: I was going to say, now, Nick, you've, you've set up that premise. Shortly, we're going to delve into it, correct? Like the whole uh, scenario is going to be like wacky reactions to having horns. It's got
0: nothing to do with the horns. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So it turns out uh, our main character, Ruri, her her father's um, a freaking dragon uh, and her mom just like never told her this before. Uh, She takes it relatively well. Uh, (laughs) uh, Her mother heads off and mysteriously is wearing the wrong shoes when she does so. So Ruri's like, well, I guess I'll go to school. People are going to notice I have giant horns sticking out of my head. But when she shows up, like her friend is just like, oh, you've got horns. Where are those? I just woke up and they were there. Okay. You doing alright? Yeah, I guess. Okay, let's go. <laughs> and I was like, are you wearing hor- are you wearing fake horns? No, they actually grew out of my head. Cool! Horns! Why? I apparently my dad's a dragon. Oh cool, okay. And just like it's just like that for like most of the rest of the chapter. Uh, Like there's some awkward moments where people are kind of like paying some unwanted attention to her like taking pictures with her and she's like this is a little bit like uncomfortable for me to deal with because I just woke up and I'm not used to this yet. Uh, Her she ends up having lunch with her friend and her friend, you know, it's kind of like says some kind of encouraging stuff by just treating her normally and everything. Um, Rory starts to uh, sneeze uh, and when she gets back to class, like she's kind of out of energy and she's starting to sweat and stuff, so she's like, "I've," uh, and her teacher's like, "Why are you wearing a pair of horns?" Um. <laughs> so she gets up because she's been called on. So she's going to read uh, the next part of her literature book, but she sneezes and um she blasts flame breath through the book and also singes the classmate in front of her hair. Uh, and then she collapses afterward and is coughing up blood. And she collapses, so she has to get taken to the nurse's office. Her mother shows up later. She's recovered after being taken to the nurse's office. And uh, she says, like, oh, yeah, the reason you reacted this way is because you shot dragon fire, but you don't have a dragon's throat that is used to processing it. So, yeah, you hurt yourself because of that. It sounds like um, she got lucky that she didn't, you know, kill herself doing that. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know if you know, but fire in your throat is a bad thing. So wait a minute. Huh.
1: you know, some things from my childhood are starting to make a lot more sense. <laughs> like that week I spent in the hospital after eating a candle—a lit candle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I we'll wanted to see what would happen. Turns out, bad things.
0: Um. So her her mother takes her home, and Rory's like, "Why didn't you tell me that all this shit was going to happen to me?" And she's like, well, I didn't know that this, you were going to develop all this stuff. And also I had, and anyway, I'm sorry, I've been away. I went to go and talk to your father in the mountains to talk to him about what was going to, you know, happen to you from now on. Uh, And, you know, he's really excited that this is happening. He said, Oh, that's my girl and stuff. Uh, He's, you know, glad to hear that you're growing up. Um, But I also talked with him, learned a bunch of stuff. So I'll be able to more properly guide you through the changes you're going to go through. Um, And that's, basically it we end the chapter on the note of like you know here are the dragonish properties that brewery has she's got horns and she's got flame breath now um and that's it it's very slice of lifey like it's that there's not a lot of punchy there's no punchy humor in this it's really just a matter of like Well, she's turning into a dragon. What's going to happen now? How are people going to react to that? Oh, they're cool with it. It's it's, that's the
1: joke. It's a very subtle type of humor um, that I didn't pick up on at first. Like, getting through most of the manga, I was just like, why does nobody have any reaction to this? Like, there's a couple times where you could kind of tell, like, oh, the lack of reaction is the joke. But there's a couple times where you're just like, Did I miss something? Why is nobody reacting to anything? And then you get to, like, the big sneeze. And they're like, oh, okay. So there is something going on. It's just all... like, But even that's very subdued. It's just like, oh my god, you're bleeding out your face. Like, yeah, I'm fine now. And that's it. (laughs) You're just like, huh. It'll be very curious to see how this fares in Shonen Jump. Mm -hmm. Which is notoriously a magazine that needs to be bombastic and big with a lot of its stuff. Now, obviously, stuff could survive that that plays to different angles, but I, I am a little bit curious to see how this series is going to be when it seems so subdued, but I don't know. Maybe there's just enough people who are like, I don't know, cute dragon girl, and that's enough for them. I know it almost won our Discord uh, chapter of the week based off that virtue alone.
0: Uh, yeah. Wait until she gets fangs. Like, that's just.
1: <laughs> but as as a chapter, I was just like, yeah, I just don't care about this at all.
0: I'm a little bit more positive uh, on it, just in terms of, yeah, you know, it's it's like it's kind of cozy. You know, it's, it's something that, that, you know, it's nice to see. There's something kind of warm about it. Um, And it's just kind of nice to see people just kind of reacting so casually and nicely to this uh, change that she's going through. Um, but, yeah, I don't think that there's going to be a lot of super interesting, exciting stuff that will happen week to week. Um, I get the impression that this is kind of in a way aiming for something along the lines of what we had with, uh, with Magu-chan. Where it's like, oh, there's this weird thing and yet all the normal people are just kind of okay with it for the most part, and that contrast is where the humor comes from. But its humor is way, way, way more I was subtle. I say,
1: like, but Magu-chan was funny. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, this is, a, this is a chapter that when I read it, I was like, yep, that was 50 pages of a manga that I just read. And then I was like, it it just it baffles me. One of these sorts of series, like, cause like really true slice of life doesn't. It's 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 not that common in jump. Like usually you're mm. a comedy. Usually you're more of a drama. I don't know what this is intending to be, and I don't want to sit here and overanalyze it because truth be told, maybe chapter two and chapter three completely reevaluate my or reorientate my my perception of it. But I did finish this first chapter just very confused as to what my impression of it was was actually going to be.
0: I, I did read a, a manga called um, Flying Witch a few years ago that uh, had a similar kind of vibe where it was just kind of like... Alright, there's this kind of weird character that is going about her life. You know, she's a witch in this case. She's a dragon. And everyone's just kinda mostly cool about it. And that's and that that's just kind of it. Um Is this so
1: is this cottage core, Nick? Hmm?
0: Cottage core? Like it's just vibes? It does seem like it's gonna be mostly that. Okay. So but we'll see. I guess it is. Pre, it is basically a slice of life series, uh, it, which is weird because she is a dragon. Uh, so, but. I guess we'll see where it goes. So
1: we shall. All right, Nick. I'm gonna blaze through Mashal because we are running out of time. We spent a lot of time talking about one piece. So this yep. is <laughs> Mashal Magic and Muscles, Chapter 111, The Divine Visionaries and the Sinister Siblings. And true to its name, the Divine Visionaries are facing off against Siblings. Uh, we have uh, Biblia facing off against I forgot this one's name, but mm-hmm. I looked it up. Delhi Saster. How <laughs> could you forget Delhi Saster? Uh, we. <laughs> get, uh, I think it's Epideme, uh, facing off against Sarara, and he is doing the On Top of Mount Spaghetti song, but with, about pudding. But with pudding. <laughs> and that's apparently a thing, I, I don't know. Uh, we have Famine against uh, Gito, who gets all cut up, and he's very excited because this is a chance to experience the essence of life. Uh, and then uh Renato is just getting his shit pushed in by Doom, over and over and over again. So he summons his Bonkai. It is a scythe called Thanatos, the God of Death. And he is prepared to enter a blood plaque. And then we end the chapter with milia Duel. And she is uh, turning to Key still. Mash is about halfway there. She's so tired. Uh, that stupid little monster thing is like, I've brought you fresh break, uh, I don't know, these canales. And she's like, ah, oh, brilliant. You're my favorite. You know, this... You may be a coward, a cheat, a cheapskate, a little clumsy rat fink, but this time, this time I have to say you really did well. And he just throws them at her, and she just lands in. They just land in her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I must have mistook this. the first time I thought he tripped, Marina. Now no, he, he just, just he throws some. Like, it, it, her it's
0: her Krillin throwing the sensu beans, yeah. basically. But instead of you know helping, they just go right in her eyes. Yeah. So. Yeah, fun, it's a fun gag to end the chapter on. There are some cool visuals in the fight setups. I do really, really like uh, when Doom cuts his head off and it goes flying into the air, and the pattern that the shadow on the floor around them leaves because of the blood path looks awesome. Um, that's that's basically it. So, all right, bunch of fights get set up, and hey, look, here's Thanatos. Let's see how well this does, and then um, a funny joke at the end. So. All right. The Ulusa Samurai, Chapter 66, God! 1335. It's Yurishige squaring off against Sadamue. Uh, And we actually get a little flashback to when they seemingly first crossed paths, when Sadamune was just, um, you know, a, a young, skilled archer, And Yorishige says, like, oh, yeah, your your skill with the bow even amazes the god of war. You should use it to defend your brethren. Uh, And Yusatomune thinks, you know, when when reflecting on this, I mean, all I could do at that moment was gaze up at that bright god. But this is now an era of decisive battle. Any warrior would burn for victory. Times have changed. I'm going to kill you now. So we get this big charge, some military maneuvering. Uh, and in the midst of all the maneuvering, Yorishige is left exposed. And so Sadamune charges straight towards him, draws an arrow and seemingly fires an arrow straight into Yorishige's uh, skull. Uh, but then there's a, a blink and uh, he's fine. Uh, and, and seemingly the arrow has just gone straight through him. But Tokuyuki manages to observe that. No, he actually he actually dodged it just with the tiniest of possible movements. Yorishige returns fire, and there's this like blaze of light that shoots out when he shoots it, and it hits Sadamune in the helmet. So he's fine, but it did hit him in the head. Uh, and so oh. everyone's like, man, Yorishige is freaking awesome. Uh, one of uh, Sadamune's men, this really creepy looking guy called Shinzaburo, goes charging in, um, and he tries to attack uh, Yorishige. Uh, who counters with his weird S-shaped sword thing and just like very easily just kind of like parries him no matter how much he charges around him. And uh, he's fine. And everyone's like, oh, man, he's so good. He's divine. Uh, And the way that he fights is that he's not only really, really good. He seems completely untouchable. He seems more than human. Uh, And he, as Burshige is fighting he says that, you know, Suwam Yojin is a war deity. And if a living god of war fails at the military arts, who would believe in him in violent times? So faith must be persuasive. So my martial arts manifest that in physical form. And he starts to do a Sora dance, which is, again, it's divinely beautiful in terms of how skilled that he is. And this is not only you know, impressive, but it's also very inspiring to his men. Uh, who are invigorated to, to fight better and it's essentially he gives them a buff by being in their presence and looking so cool that all happens and then uh, the Tengu uh, one of the Tengu who is observing this says hey inform Kyo that I will observe the battle uh, and another of his scouts dashes off uh, but as soon as he leaves someone emerges from the shadows uh, it's Yurishige's son I think uh, and he's going to uh, kill this guy. Also Genba's there and he's like, Yeah.
1: I, I do like it because we're finally following up on that Tengu plot line that just kind of yeah. like got introduced and then put off to the side when they went to Kyo and then came back and did an entire little side arc and the Tengu has just been there and you're like, When is Genbu gonna or Genba gonna fucking fight him? Like when's that gonna happen? <laughs>
0: And Gim is like, I'm not going to fight him. Fuck you. <laughs> you fight him.
1: <laughs> That's good. It's good stuff. Yeah. All right. Let's, one Piece. Let's one talk Piece. about a not significant chapter. Of one not Piece at all.
0: Whatsoever. One Piece. Oh, man, we can just skip it. And no one would care. One Piece. Chapter 1052. A new morning. Uh, So... We start things off with uh, some details in, you know, the meeting that's going on at Mary Joa as they get word for shit that went down in Wano, including, you know, the appearance of Nika showing up, two warlords being defeated. Uh, also, Zoe showed up and then uh, left. So <laughs> all that happened. Uh There's also, they learned that, okay, Wano is not opening up, so now it's going to be this impregnable fortress that we won't have access to because Kaido's not there anymore. So what's going on? But they say, okay, we can't send in a major force to occupy the nation anymore, but we can bring back Nico Robin, right? Uh, And uh, there is a moment where they an agent from CB Zero is trying to get in touch with them, uh, but the signal gets jammed. And then we see that the, there's a fleet of ships, and someone is saying, "Wait, who, who, who are you? Wait, where you are? I'll, I'll be right. Are we right there?" And we don't find out exactly what's going on.
1: Well, we do. It's, it's, it's uh,
0: Admiral Ryoku's headed there. Well, I meant in this exact. Moment. Oh, okay. That well, because with- I,
1: when I first read this, had no idea what the fuck is happening. Because it's really difficult to parse who's talking.
0: (laughs) Yes. And also, these are characters we've met, like, once. (laughs) And we get a little bit of a recap of, hey, there's some stuff that went down. The Kuzuki's won. Hey, look, here we are in Onigashima Castle. Hey, look, X-Drake, didn't you want to find out what happened to him? Hey, look, Hawkins, did you want to find out what happened to him? Well, here we go. So they're not doing so well. They're both, like, bleeding and slumped over, and X-Drake is lying on the floor. Uh, and X-Drake says, Hey, I thought your divination said that you'd be fine as long as you didn't betray Kaido. And Hawkins says, I sank to working for Kaido because I sensed death in the presence of that monster. But Kid and Killer faced death bravely and continued their resistance. Even if I had foreseen their victory, how can I possibly turn back and suck up to Kid again? Uh, but then X-Drake thinks about the exact wording of their conversation before and hawkins had told him the chances of a certain man surviving until tomorrow were one percent and drake says wait so you mean that certain man you were talking about was me <laughs> <laughs> oh no not
1: hawkins like look i did get a little sad because i was like i do like hawkins and I don't know, maybe he's not dead, but I think he's dead at this point, but it is, I don't know, One Piece has gotten, One Piece went from a period where nobody died, to characters sometimes died, to who the fuck knows, cause it's like maybe Hawkins has died from having his arm cut off, now it's hard to tell, because Okiku, who also had her arm cut off, definitely survived, so I don't know (laughs) she also got stabbed a bunch I don't know who's alive or dead at this point
0: (laughs) uh So it has now been seven days since the end of the Battle of Wano. We see uh, first a little bit of how life around the country has immediately changed because, you know, all the oppressors are just fucking gone now. It's not that there are systematic problems that they have to get rid of. No, no, no. We got rid of that system whole fucking cloth. So (laughs) things can start changing, fortunately, for the better. And we see that one of the things that is happening is that the children need to be re-educated because they've been fed propaganda for their entire lives. Of course, people are actually getting fed regularly. Hooray! Um, and uh, they—we also see that there are some, you know, consequences of the battle, as in some of the heroes of the battle freaking died, like Ashura, who fell on a bomb, and Ezo, who got killed by CP0. This
1: this blew my mind because I was like. The fucking Izo died
0: yeah <laughs> like it's like, yeah.
1: it's such a hard series to decipher what actually like what's a fatal blow or not because I was like yeah Izo got like hit really hard or whatever characters take nukes to the face pretty frequently it's fine they get back up <laughs> so I was like Izo's oh. dead
0: what bullets my one weakness <laughs> <laughs> um but, they, but there's a little conversation going on between uh, Kawamatsu and Kinemon. They say like, yeah, there'll be like a temple here one day that'll honor Lord Odin and all the daimyo who fought for the country as well. Yasuiei, Ashura, Izo, the people who fell. So that's nice. Um, I do sincerely
1: hope because we just got the revelation that Izo is, is dead. I sincerely hope either next chapter or before they leave Wano, we get some sort of scene of Okiku mourning her brother yeah uh as yeah. a trans woman who recently just lost their brother i need a little catharsis mm, here so no. gotta give that to me a little bit
0: yeah there's a lot of this stuff that is just kind of like they're celebrating like yeah. yeah uh marco uh shows up uh and uh we do i do like the little exchange that happens between and working ones like hey is it okay but, you know we're gonna like do a thing for Izo here. And he says, Yeah, it's best that he be buried in his native soils. Like, that's that's nice. It's like, hey, recognize they were very old comrades. So uh and Marco's like, and also I'm still alive for some reason. It's like, were you ever in danger? What the fuck are you talking about? You're a Phoenix. <laughs> um we uh then cut over to the main grounds, and uh Hiori is delivering news that Luffy and Zoro have made a full recovery. Uh and we we first see a little detail of Yamato just like kind of cuddled around himself, going, I'm not hungry. I am so not hungry right now. Uh and then Hiori delivers the news, and Yamato's like, Oh, good. And then Hiori um, drop kicks her brother in the face.
1: I was like, "Wait, what?" Yori has a personality.
0: Yeah, I was like, "Wait a minute." I was like, "Oh, she's not over her tomboy side." I was like, "Oh, like how she acted when they were children, and no other time <laughs> that Yori's been around." Oh God. Um, Zoro and Luffy have woken up, and they and Luffy calls for meat, and Zoro calls for booze. Yep, they're fine. They're they're gonna be okay, guys. Um, and uh, everyone's very happy to see that they have recovered. Uh, and uh, they co- both kind of like stare over to Momonosuke, like, "Who the fuck are you?" It's was like, "Momonosuke, i, I t- 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 Oh, you're an adult now, right? Right. Well, let's see how well you take a punch. <laughs> I'm really jump into that. There's a creepy moment where Momonosuke tries to huddle in Nami's breasts and she punches him and is like, but i made! Oh, right, right. Um, yeah. Anyway, the one amusing thing that happens involving Momonosuke in this chapter is that Yamato apparently has not stopped like sticking a tray on his head to make him look like Odin every time they're <laughs> around each other, <laughs> which is a funny idea. Um, And then we get the moment that made Twitter explode. (laughs) So Nami, like, okay, so everyone has recovered and they established that, like, Yamato basically swore off Eating or bathing because that's like a thing that you do, you know, and well, as part of a prayer for someone's recovery. It's like I'll give something up until they recover. So that's what Yamato did. So I was like, oh, what a nice what a nice gesture. You know, he made me he, he put himself through suffering for that. Um, and of course, now that they're fine, he's stuffing his face with right with with, yes. with uh, onigiri uh, deep. Yeah. Um, and I do like that. There is also the very small note where like. You know, Jimbei says, "Oh, what a nice person!" Because like he was the most skeptical about Yamato saying, "I'm going to join the crew." It's like, oh, okay, this guy's pretty cool. So, um, Nami uh says, "Uh, hey, well, Yamato, let's take that bath before the festival. Now that your prayer is over, uh, we go do a little bit of other stuff, including like Sanji and Zoro thinking about, oh, right, the promise that we were going." To make, you know, like, Zoro will kill Sanji if he can't pull himself back.
1: I do like that it's a misunderstanding. Like, Z- Sanji's just like, Ma said we have to have a talk. And it's because Hiyori is hanging out. He's just right hitting next on him. Yeah, He's just hanging out next to him. So S- Zoro, ever the ace, was just like, oh, right. You did want me to kill you. So they just start fighting. He's like,
0: no, I'm fine, asshole. And I'm very heterosexual. <laughs> So that happens. A fight breaks out in the background. And while that is happening, Yamato answers Nami's proposal that they take a bath together by saying, well, sorry, Nami, there's no mixed bathing in the castle. And Kiku says, oh, but do you mind if this one joins you? Cut to the shared baths and there is a men's bath and a women's bath. And Yamato is bathing with the guys and Okiku is bathing with the girls. And this was a very nice gesture. It's not perfect because Sanji and Brooke are being weird about it, but... (laughs)
1: Look, I have come to accept that this this is just the reality of it. And in Oda's way, where he finds many things funny... I think he is intending this with the best of in, like intentions. It's just a very clumsy execution. Mm. But despite that fact, it does appear as though a trans-mask character is going to be in the most significant group in maybe in history ever. <laughs> so I think it's pretty cool. And you know what? At the end of the day, uh, who gives a shit? I guess if Yamato is happy with their body and being exactly mm-hmm. like that, that's uh great for him. And I'm very proud of him. And if another weird fucking loser on the internet decides to message me with, but the vivid card says, I just want you to know I'm you. I'd never hear you again. <laughs> you scream into the void. <laughs> you'll never make another contact with me again.
0: In order to read this scene as a chapter that came out in the middle of pride month Uh where characters proclaim that they are a gender that they were not categorized as at birth and are now among the gender that they identify as among members of that gender who accept them as part of the gendered group and no one objects to it and everyone is happy with it. And they're all celebrating and having a good time. If you can read that as anything other than, this is a positive message for genderqueer, transgender, you know, anything other than, you know, cisgender groups that I don't know what kind of weird contortions you had to put your brain through in order to think that that it fits in with what you think about that. But this was wonderful to see. It was even more wonderful for me to actually just look at the general reaction that this got. I saw a lot of people who, you know, like had doubts about the messaging of the series and the way that Yamato is being portrayed saying, you know what? This is pretty cool. Mm. Like, that's very, very nice. Uh, oh, there's more to the chapter. Uh, <laughs> it hang turns on.
1: out it continues going after that point.
0: Yeah, there's a there's going to be a big feast after they're after they all bathe and stuff. Uh, we see that uh, the General Frankie is back to normal. Uh, Frankie worked on it along with some of the local carpenters and Usopp because Usopp is a tech head. And more dudes are like, oh, my God, a robot. <laughs> <laughs> because they are dudes in one piece, basically. Um, Kid and Law basically are like, hey. Stop being super buddy buddy with everyone. We're like, going, you know, we've got serious, serious business stuff and stuff. Um, and then there is news that is delivered that, oh, hey, you know, people's bounties went up and uh, we've got the inside uh, scoop on this. Apu is there. He was allowed to join in on the celebration for some reason. <laughs> like, fuck this guy. Why? Why? <laughs> But he's like, hey, look, everyone, I've got all your Wano posters and stuff, all your new bounties and the names they're calling the new emperors of the sea. Uh, But at that moment, we cut away to Ryokugyu, a new admirable who we have only seen in like silhouette to this point. We haven't gotten a good glimpse of them yet. And they are floating through the air, uh, heading towards Wano, which nobody knew he was going they were going to do basically and they're like what what are you doing don't make things any worse got it yeah yeah okay
1: fair enough uh they are flying by the way on a flower yes Uh, it's been heavily speculated this character has the plant double fruit as last time we saw them they're hanging out in a garden saying that they don't need food primarily because they just use photosynthesis for their nutrition which would make sense Mm -hmm. uh great chapter happy pride month everybody
0: Yeah! All right. Well, that said, favorite chapter and MVP of the week. Uh,
1: I'm going to give my favorite chapter to Akane Minashi and my MVP of the week to Yamato.
0: Aw. I think we're going to mirror you here. Um, Let's see. Hang on. I'm just going through this real quick. Yeah, so my favorite chapter is One Piece, uh, but I'm giving my MVP to Akane, so...
1: (laughs) There we go. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh the audience, by the way, agreed with you on one piece, and then they picked Sora Chica as the character of the week, although there were a lot of options. Uh, there were. So, you know, a lot of a lot of good stuff happening there.
0: Yeah, you had the stuff going on between Nico and Ichiko, uh Ogata's backstory, um Hermit hacking. Really <laughs>
1: Taiki had a great moment. um yeah. Dosan, of- that saga, just giving him the, you know, like you gotta give it up, give it ups to him, big ups to Dosan.
0: Nose <laughs> is, <laughs> <up for Dosan. laughs>
1: is up for Dosan. Nose is up for Dosan. We didn't review a stupid fucking manga this week. That'd be the, top t- the title of the episode. <laughs> oh, damn you, Nakamura! <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, guys, that is going to do it for Weekly Monger Recap. We want to thank you all for joining us. We record the show weekly here on Wednesday evenings on twitch.tv slash Rolo T. To stay updated on exactly when the show goes live, follow us on social media, twitter.com slash Nick F Time, Rolo T, WMR podcast, uh, a big old Barney Gumble g- gift goes out every time that we start the show it's uh, it's a nice little tradition that we have it also goes out on our Discord server where you can find all sorts of fun stuff we have a wonderful community there that has uh, bi-weekly game nights and also has conversations about the chapters as they are released and also the series that we are getting set to cover in our next recommendation uh, speaking of which You can also use the Discord channel to find the Google Doc that's maintained by Ninja X3i and make a suggestion for a future series for us to read and cover on the show. You can also use that to find the voting for MVP and favorite series as they have covered going back years now Uh, as all maintained by Ninja X3i is a great little historical document for our show. We also want to extend our special thanks to Milo Jack Stillitz and Winsley Dale Cheddar who created the opening sequence for the video version of Weekly Manga Recap that you can see on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Weekly Manga Recap, where you can see all the video versions of the show. Audio versions can be found at WeeklyMangaRecap.podbean.com as well as on iTunes, Spotify, generally wherever podcasts can be found, you can find the show if you look for Weekly Manga Recap. Yes. And Steve Mann, thank you for the title guard artwork. You can find uh, his Stuff on uh, Twitter.com slash Steve
1: All right. So, with that said, it's time to talk about our next recommendation. Yes. And we're still in Pride Month, so we're obviously going to be talking about some gay stuff. Uh, this one, though, Nick, it's for the girls. Uh, we're going to be talking about Catch these hands
0: wait what it is
1: a series about uh two girls uh who fall in love through fighting each other uh this was originally
0: but we already read (laughs) tepu
1: this one is less subtle
0: (laughs) i would say how but then again it did completely escape me when we covered it first
1: (laughs) So we're going to take a look at that one. It's a relatively short one. I think there's only like a couple volumes of it out. So
0: All right. So watch out for that, guys, in a, in a couple of weeks. And next week, again, just in case you missed the announcement before, I will not be here. Quinn will be <laughs> instead be joined by Austin Yorski uh, as uh, they go through some manga. And uh, we'll see how much uh, Austin ruins my life uh, coming out of that.
1: I'm but... going to give Austin power to do other things, too. I'm like, Austin, do you want to? <laughs> You want to take some things out? so some... He's like, yeah, get rid of my hero. Who cares about this I... dork shit?
0: Uh, he's just like, can you like reverse the thing that you got uh, hardcore shit to do and just kill Jiro? <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, man. Because my hero's back next week. It what is. If it, what if we just dunk on Jiro for like the whole time?
0: <laughs> oh, man. What if Huge he does started. that
1: and then he loves uh, even zero? He's like, this is the best. This shit rolls. It's so good.
0: He could choose the worst series of this race, honestly. <laughs> all right, guys. We'll catch you all next week. Well, yeah. she will. I'll, I'll catch you later. Bye.
1: Bye.